Welcome back in everyone to a very exciting new episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a great show in store for you today. I'm very giddy about sharing this with you today. We have the performer Catherine Russell joining us today to talk about two things. The first is her show, The Perfect Crime, which is playing at the Theater Center at 250 West 50th Street on the fourth floor. But going along with that, there's a wonderful new exhibit that Lug Entertainment in association with The Perfect Crime is presenting in their lobby. And it's called Women Who Kill and the Movie Stars That Play Them. That's on display now through November 5th. And you can get more information about all of these things and tickets for the show, The Perfect Crime, by visiting perfect-crime.com. As I mentioned, we are very excited to be bringing you this because this is our guilty pleasure. We're not at the theater. We are true crime buffs. So this is just fulfilling the second, you know, pot of goodness in our life. And so with that, we want to welcome on our guests and just dive right into all of this. Catherine, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here today. I am so excited to have you here. I am so excited about what we're going to be talking about. I have popped my popcorn. I've gotten into my comfortable pants. Like, I'm ready. <laughs> Tell me all the things about murder. No. We've got these two great things, the perfect crime and women who kill the movie stars that played them. I love that this is happening. First of all, I love the fact that it's, you know, October and we're, this is, the, this is the take on spooky season, you know, the real monsters, if you will, that exist out there. So I want to start with this exhibit, Women Who Kill in the Movie Stars That Play Them. Could you tell us a little bit about, uh, more about this? Sure. So Dan DeMillo and, and Lugnut Entertainment and his partner, Nathaniel, every year we partner and do a display with some form of murder theme during and during the Halloween season. And this year we thought it would be interesting to focus on women who have been accused of murder, but not necessarily all found guilty. And then also look at the various actresses who have play these parts because I think many actresses, myself included, think it's a lot of fun to play someone who would do something we might not ourselves do. So I've been mad enough at people to think about killing them, but I'm happy to say that so far in my life, I have not yet killed anyone, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun to play someone who may or may not be a murderess. So we thought it would be fun to have this exhibit. Every year when we have an exhibit, we notice that people come in. Sometimes they're not even coming to see the show. They stop and they look at, we have big posters on the wall and they read about these various crimes. Some of the women are famous, like Lizzie Borden, for example, but some of the others are not that well known. My favorite is Francine Hughes Wilson. She is the woman who was, foc the focus was, the burning bed was on her. She was a woman who was really, really abused by her husband. And every time she tried to leave, he would drag her back. He would threaten the life of her family. And one day having had enough, she, while he was sleeping, poured gasoline around his bed, lit a match, threw the kids in the car and left. And I believe she was found innocent because it was self-defense. So I'm not advocating murder. In this case, you have to be somewhat sympathetic to a woman who kept trying to leave. She tried to go to school. He burned her books. She tried to leave him. He'd get her back. He threatened. And you, you wonder... Are, are you pushed to the edge? And this that's what happened. So some of the other women, somebody like Casey Anthony, for example, or Alice Crimmins are probably more likely to be guilty, but 
they haven't ever, there's no surety that they were in fact murderesses. So it's kind of fun to look at their, their, their various stories. That is so incredible. I love it. How long have you all been doing this exhibit for? I don't understand still around uh, probably like six years, seven years. Yeah, I it, think this it, is our I think this is our fifth year. Yeah. Um, and again, Catherine mm-hmm. said we, we do different themes every year. And so yeah, five. We we always focus on women. And you know, it's actually interesting. I worked on Rikers Island. I ran a drama program with male male adolescent inmates for a long time. And then I transitioned over to a woman's prison. It's no longer there, called Bayview Correctional Facility. And one of the interesting things that I learned was most women kill someone they know, their husbands, their boyfriends, their children. Most men kill a stranger. Isn't that interesting? That is fascinating. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That, I mean, I'm also not entirely surprised, but one day when we sit down and we can get into the psychosis of crime and everything (laughs) like that, you know, I'll bring on my, my learned wisdom that I developed from uh, my years at theater school. I see. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to kind of go on and ask, what are you hoping that audiences or or people that visit this exhibit will take away from it? I think people like yourself are fascinated with crime, more so even since COVID, I think, maybe because people were stuck at home and they started watching more television. But I think it's an outlet for people to try to solve a crime or figure out whether someone's guilty or not. So with this exhibit, it's interesting to read about these various women, as I said, in you know, various famous and not quite so famous, or people that you may have heard of but never exactly knew what was going on. People find the actual details of the supposed crime really interesting. And then the added sort of touches to look at the photograph of the actual supposed murderess, and then the actress who plays her. In some cases, you know, the the actual murderess is as pretty, if not prettier, than the actual actress who was playing her. It's kind of interesting. So I guess it's just when people come to see Perfect Crime, they have an interest in crime. It's sort of like an added bonus this month for them to sort of get in a, a crime head before they come in and see a play about a woman who may or may not have killed her husband. Well, that is a great way to kind of transition because I do want to talk about your show, The Perfect Crime. Could you give us a little bit more information about what The Perfect Crime is or is about? Sure. It's about, as I said, a woman who may or may not have killed her husband. In the very first scene, you see a man in a tuxedo on the phone and a woman with red hair and a green dress shoots him and he seems to be dead. And in the next scene, there's there's a woman who doesn't have red hair on the phone kind of navigating her life and when a policeman comes in and says that he's heard that there was a man who was shot. She basically confesses to the murder, pulls a gun on him. And then suddenly the dead husband appears on the stairs. So was there a murder? Was someone killed? It doesn't look like it. The dead body is alive and and moving around on the stage and the rest of the play is sort of figuring out whether or not she, her husband is in fact dead. And if he is dead, who killed him? So it's a real whodunit with lots of different kinds of clues, visual clues, um, audio clues, psychological clues. There are things that's a painting on the set that's actually a clue. So people sometimes come and they'll see it and then they'll come and see it a second or a third time because once they know the solution to the murder, they come back to actually watch it and sort of notice all the clues. There's a guy who's since become a friend of mine since he's seen the play. I believe he's seen the play. I want to say like 75 times. 
And he's got, yes, he's a professor of psychology at Brooklyn College with a PhD. And he just loves, he loves the play. He comes back all the time. After like the fifth time, I said to him, you can come anytime for free. And he brings people and he loves watching them sort of figure out the actual mystery. So if you like Agatha Christie, if you like Law and Order, if you like CSI, if you like any of those like ID murder shows where you have to sort of figure out who's actually guilty, Perfect Crime is a good show because you will not be able to figure out the murder until the very end of the show, no matter how smart you are. I love that. Oh, that's right up my alley. So kind of going along with that, you've been doing the show for a bit. What has it been like developing your role and and kind of continuing on with this show that's been running for so long? Well, so I've done the play for the entire, what, 36 years. And there are many people who think I'm totally insane, which I may be. For me, I really love doing the show. It's my favorite two hours of the day or four hours if it's on a weekend. I'm a person who likes structure and regularity. I've only lived like in two it, my whole time in New York, I've been here since 1977. I've only lived in two apart, like in an apartment building. And then I've lived in the same apartment since then. Like, so for 25 years, I lived in one building. And then for the last, whatever, 20 something years, I've lived in another two places my entire life. I've had like four men in my life, my entire life. I've had like the same jobs I've been teaching. I, I'm also a teacher at the same schools. And for me, there's great joy in doing the same thing every day and finding a way to make it different. So like going on the road and doing a show and being in a hotel, like every different hotel every week is my idea of hell. And I recognize that a lot of people love that. For me, the challenge is trying to make something fresh and different on a long-term basis. That's like my creativity. I have no talent as a writer or a director or a singer or anything like that. I love trying to make something fresh eight times a week. It's really fun. So for me, it's been a joy being able to do this play. I, we never obviously expected that it would run this long. And I'm also aware that when people come and see it, they're like, oh, yeah, she's been doing it for a long time. She's going to be walking through it. So I'm always like, I am i don't care how many people. We've had small audiences in the house. I work really, really hard to try to make it fresh. And I always feel really happy when I'm doing the show. <laughs> it's a great workout for two hours. I feel really blessed. That's fantastic. I love that. Is there a message or a thought you're hoping the audiences will take away from this great show? Oh, I don't think this is a play with, with a, a message necessarily. I think there are plays with much deeper messages. What I think this play provides is some intellectual satisfaction if you can figure it out. It's a funny play so that you will laugh. You'll be engaged, I think, intellectually. You can kind of solve the murder. I think it's a fun time. And I think for theater, there's a place for all different kinds of theater. There's theater that you see and it moves you and you sit in the theater at the end of the show and you're like, oh my God, what did I just see? I feel changed. And then there's theater that's entertaining, that's fun. And I think there's a place for both in people's worlds, certainly in New York. And so I think Perfect Crime can provide, it's a great diversion. It's thought provoking. It's funny. It's silly in a few places, kind of romantic. And so for people who like that kind of entertainment, it's a satisfying two hours. And I'll also say, because it's off-Broadway and you know this world, you get a great seat and, and it's a small theater and it's intimate. It's like you're sitting in somebody's living room, except they're guns. 
<laughs> so if you if that makes sense. So I think that experience when people come to New York, I say go see a few big Broadway shows and experience the magnificence of Broadway. But then whether it's my show or another show, sit in a small off-Broadway theater also and have a more intimate experience. The way I kind of sort of describe it to people who aren't in the business like we are is it's the difference between like a huge studio film and an independent film. Because a big studio film is really satisfying. You go, you're going to go see Barbie. I'm going to go, I haven't seen Barbie. You, you probably have. You're much cooler than I am, right? Um, I'm going to see, I'm going to see it in a movie theater, right? Or Oppenheimer. I'm going to see those movies in a movie theater. All right. But an independent film, you don't necessarily have to see in a movie theater. You could sit on your couch and watch it. Movie stars do independent films. There are interesting, complicated themes in independent films, but they're not as commercially viable. And I think that's kind of the difference in Broadway and off-Broadway, and there's a place for both, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So wrapping up this first part of the interview, I kind of want to ask regarding both of our subjects, Women Who Kill and the movie stars that play them, as well as The Perfect Crime, because you are tied to both. Who do you hope have access to both your show and this exhibit? I'm hoping that people who love crime, who may not have heard of Perfect Crime, would maybe stop in to the theater center and look at the exhibit. There are some women on our list. There are 10 women that are not as well known as some of the others. Uh, another woman, Catherine Knight, actually killed her husband and chopped him up and was about to feed him to her, his children, when she was arrested. <laughs> so if you like the macabre, she might be an interesting person <laughs> to look into. I don't know. But it's kind of like we have 10 really interesting women. And I think it's just sort of fun to look at their stories. We don't always focus on famous women criminals in the same way. We're kind of sort of horrified when a woman does something wrong. So I think there's a real sort of maybe, is it prurient interest in it? So I'd hope that people would come and stop by and just take a look at some of these women. And then maybe just come and see the show and think about the character that I play is a really, really strong woman and she's middle-aged. And I think it's also interesting for people to see a play where the characters that are perhaps falling in love are not 25. So we get a lot of people who are older who want to see themselves like on stage. I mean, I was laughing because I think even The Bachelor now has, what is it called? The Golden Bachelor or something. It's a 72-year-old man who's like the romantic interest. And I think that as baby boomers get older, I think the interest in seeing people being um, romantic or, or funny with each other also grows. So that maybe we'll reach out to some people who are older who would like to see themselves represented on stage, not in the murdering part, but in the falling in love part. <laughs> want to switch things up now for our second part of the interview. I want to give our listeners a chance to pick your brain a little bit, get to know you a bit more. And I want to start off by asking you what or who inspires you? What playwrights or composers or shows have inspired you in the past or are just some of your favorites? I would say my favorite play ever is Three Sisters by Chekhov. It's my favorite play. And I think Chekhov is probably my famous, my favorite playwright. I don't get to see much theater because I'm on stage eight times a week and my one night off I teach. 
I have been inspired by great performances. I mean, this year, last year, I was able to see Lehman Trilogy, which absolutely blew me away. I saw Parade. I saw Leopoldstadt, which I thought was amazing. Both Leopoldstadt and, and Lehman Trilogy, the acting, the ensemble acting was so inspiring to me. And I love sitting in a theater and seeing amazing, amazing acting work. It just inspires me and it's something for me to aspire to myself. So I would say those shows are the ones that I've seen um, that really in the past year that I've like, you know, snuck away, you know, to a Wednesday matinee or something to see. I also, I, I teach acting and I teach acting at NYU, but I also teach acting to adults at my theater. I'm very inspired by the work that I see. I'm very inspired by people who are learning how to act and the joy that they have in it. It reminds me always to be just joyful when I'm sitting in a theater, as corny as that sounds. So I think I'm inspired both by great performances, but also by everyday people pushing themselves a little bit and getting in touch with their emotions and with each other on a stage when they're and they're learning how to act, if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm answering the question properly or not. Well, you're you're nailing it. It's perfect. That is wonderful. And I love that list. I love those references. Well, I would love to know, you know, Catherine, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? I guess when I was a little girl, I always wanted to work in the theater. I never thought about being famous or anything. I just, I like the smell of the theater, the feel of the theater. I like working in the theater. I like every part of it, pretty much. The theater center was sort of, was raw space when we moved in. And I, I, so I basically built it with the help of a lot of really good, you know, plumbers and electricians and, and, and contractors. And so it feels like my second home. And so, and I teach in the theater and I tell people that I love being on stage in that room, but I also love sitting in the audience and watching people on stage, if that makes sense. I just like being both on stage and in the audience in this room feeling whatever's going to happen, as corny as that sounds. I just really like being in the theater. It's what I've always wanted to do. And I feel really lucky that I've been able to do it for so long and and have a life in the theater that I've been able to sustain. I'm actually, I don't know if you know, but I'm trying to raise $10 million right now to convert a garage right down the street into five off-Broadway theaters. <laughs> no kidding, really? Yes. Yes. That's how I know that like the last 15 Pulitzer Prize winning plays are all off-Broadway plays because that's part of my proposal to try to see if I can find some people with money to invest. And I'm doing this because I, I don't produce very often. I get this look on my face like, give me money because I can never tell people that if you put money into a show, no matter how great it is, if it's going to make money or not. But I'm, I feel more confident asking people to invest in real estate. So so I feel like we need more small off-Broadway theaters. New World is amazing, but they have large theaters. And right now, it's hard sometimes to fill those theaters. It's hard off-Broadway to fill a 499-seat theater, no matter how amazing the show is. It's just tough to do that eight times a week. So I want to convert a garage for a 99-seat theater, 199, 199, 250, and 399, all in the same building. I love it. Because it's a garage, big ass elevators. <laughs> so that's my goal. So that's basically kind of what I'm what I'm working on now is to um to have my tin cup out and get some investors to invest in building this theater. I what I tell people is that the only people in New York who make money from theater are the Schuberts and the Niederlanders, right? And now Ambassador Group, now that Jude Jansen's been absorbed. If you own the building or you run the building, you can make money. 
you can't necessarily make money unless you're David Stone and you do Wicked. There's no guarantee that you're going to make money, but for real estate. So that's that's my latest. That's my my latest project is hitting people up for money so I can build five more theaters, not just simply so I can rent it out to people who want to do shows because I'm an off-Broadway girl. That's kind of going to be my legacy, I think. I love this idea. Oh my gosh, this is exciting. Way to go. Put the word out. Put the word out. I'm looking for investors. Yes. <laughs> well, we've now arrived at my favorite question to ask guests, and that is, what is your favorite theater memory? I can remember being 14 years old, the first time I walked on stage in a real play in high school. I remember the experience of actually walking onto that stage. I remember my first line in the play, and I just remember that feeling. Most of us understand it now. It's like, like it's addictive, right? But it's interesting that I remember that. I was 14 years old, and I was in the diary of Anne Frank. And the first line is, mushy, mushy, mushy. She's talking about her cat. And I remember that really clearly. And to be honest with you, the, the husband and wife who ran my drama program in high school had no children. And um, so uh, the husband has since died. I am the conservator of the woman who directed that play, who put me on stage for the first time when I was 14, because she can't take care of herself. So I look after her. And I said to her, I go out, she lives in Connecticut. I go out every Sunday morning to see her. I would not be an actress if it were not for that experience, that opportunity, I think. I think being able at a young age to be able to, to do it, I didn't even know that I would love to do. I would say that's probably, as corny as it sounds, that's probably my, my favorite theater experience because it was the first one. It's like your first kiss, right? It's, it stays with you. And I have a very visceral reaction to it. I remember doing it. And I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity that I, I'm now <laughs> spending every Sunday morning <laughs> in Norwalk, Connecticut, taking care of this woman. But, but she deserves it because that, that's what started me. And I would think that most of us have a story like that. And I think we all have that experience that first time we actually sort of had somebody say, you can do this and it's fun. And yeah. It's really, it's really important memory. Well, thank you for sharing that memory though. That was so lovely. And shout out to theater teachers. They are just amazing. I don't know what we would do without them. I know I wouldn't be here. And right. based on your story, I mean, you, you would obviously would. not yeah. be here. So I appreciate you sharing that memory with us. Thank you so much. Do you have any other projects or productions coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug? I do, I do want to reiterate, you mentioned about the fundraising for this off-Broadway theater. Right now, uh, you know, come see the shows of the theater center, Perfect Crime. And then I'm super proud of the shows that I manage, The Office and Singfeld and Friends. They're really fun shows. Once again, they're a place that have a deep message. They are wonderful and moving these are not those shows. They're just fun. It's fun to sit in the theater and laugh. People have a really good time. And I'm, I'm proud that I can help make that happen. So sure. And yeah, if anybody wants to help me raise $10 million to build some theaters, that would be great. Because I really, really think we need, we need more off-Broadway theaters in Midtown, more small ones. It's really, that's my passion project, my last big project in my life to kind of get that to happen and then to, to manage it and run it so that people will have a home like I've been able to have the theater center. So. Yes, absolutely. 
Well, kind of leading off of that, if our listeners want more information about women who kill and the movie stars that play them <laughs> or about the perfect crime or about you, maybe they'd like to reach out right. to you. How can sure. they do so? Catherine Russell at the theatercenter.com is fine. And it's Catherine with a C, Catherine Russell at the theater, like ER, theater center, Catherine Russell at theatercenter.com, or they can call the theater center and leave a message. I always call everybody back, but yeah. Wonderful. Catherine, this has been such an honor and such a joy. I am a huge fan of you and your show. I'm a huge fan of this exhibit. And I'm just so excited that we were able to sit down and chat today. So thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you. Well, you know, after listening to your voice so many times, interviewing other people, I feel really honored to speak to you. And my God, you're such a fascinating person and you have such joy. And, you know, I love that. We need more joy in the world. We need more people to just be joyful about working in this business. And you are such a prime example of that. And you do so much for our industry. I'm enormously grateful. Oh, and you're fun you. to listen to. You make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. When I'm in my car. I'll, turn, I'll listen to you and I'm like, oh, what a great question. Oh, he's so funny. I think that's wonderful. So, oh. yes, I'm a huge fan. You are so kind. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. My guest today has been the performer, Catherine Russell, who is part of Lug Entertainment in association with the Perfect Crimes presentation of Women Who Kill and the Movie Stars That Play Them. This exhibit is now on display now through November 5th at the Theater Center, which is at 250 West 50th Street on the fourth floor. And you know what? While you're there checking out this great exhibit, you should definitely get tickets to Catherine's show, The Perfect Crime, which is also playing at the Theater Center. You can get tickets for the show as well and more information by visiting the website perfect-crime.com. Don't miss this show. It is the longest running show right now in New York, but you don't want to miss it nonetheless. It plays eight times a week. It's a fabulous show you want to check it out and if you want to reach out to Catherine and send her a message she will reply you can message her at Catherine russell at the theatercenter.com and she will reply as we mentioned and we're going to have all this information posted on our episode description as well as on our social media posts but make sure you join us in attending this great show the perfect crime and while you're at it check out the great exhibit women who kill and the movie stars that play them So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. 
Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. The lights of old.